Welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, your connection to the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, Alberta CPAs, and business professionals. This podcast, presented by the CPA Education Foundation, features Alberta chartered professional accountants and others sharing their expertise and insights on a wide range of topics. Tune in regularly for eye-opening looks on leadership, business, education, and many issues of the day, straight from the CPA's mouth. Before we begin, in honour of the 94 calls to action put forth by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, we'd like to acknowledge that CPA Education Foundation offices are situated on the traditional Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territories. The Foundation acknowledges that we reside on traditional and ancestral territories of many Indigenous, First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples. Their histories and culture influence our community to this day. The CPA Education Foundation is committed to helping build a province where Indigenous peoples and their voices and experiences are heard, valued, respected, and celebrated. Hello and welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. My name is Kevin Sabila from the CPA Education Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode. Whoever said change is the only constant in life must have been an accountant. Actually, I believe it was the Greek philosopher Heraclitus. We all know that life is full of change, and that is especially true in the world of taxation. Every time a new government is elected, provincial or federal, and an election promise is fulfilled, and a new policy is announced for the benefit of taxpayers, CPAs are there to interpret and manage and implement those policies. The pace and scope of that change can be quite daunting. Just think of the implications on taxes in the past two years alone due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is just one example of how the rules and regulations and guidelines and processes we use to interpret them and prepare our taxes have evolved over time. Joining me today to help us make sense of it all is Joe Devaney, CPACA. He is the co-owner of Video Tax News, along with his sisters Caitlin Butler, CPACA, and Sheena Tashima. We're going to talk about his lived experience and the evolution of tax over the past five or so years. So without further ado, let's hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Uh, So, hey Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, you are our first live guest uh, since the uh, beginning of the pandemic, so welcome. Well, thanks for being here. I didn't know you interviewed dead people, but hey, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually don't know how to respond to that. No problem. Just ask me a question. Let's roll. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, to kick things off then, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, area of expertise, that sort of thing? Sure, yes. As you as you indicated earlier, I am a CPA, CA, and it runs in the family. I think we've got about 10 of us now between myself and cousins and parents and all that kind of stuff. I've had my designation for uh, just over a decade, but uh, Video Tax News, the company that I work with, uh, is actually a family business. It started over 40 years ago with my parents, my, my mother and my father. Uh, and uh, they started off it as a, uh, as a consulting firm, turned it into a newsletter, and now we're basically an information and education provider right across Canada, primarily to CPAs, but you know, also accountants of all types and preparers and planners. And uh, you know, all of my experience over the last 10 years has been with that organization. And I've also helped out with a number of small and medium firms as well with their tax planning and compliance work. Okay. So uh, as a CPA... Obviously, as we kind of discussed briefly, there's a lot of change in the industry. Um, Every time there's a new government, there's likely some changes to at least one tax law that uh, means all of a sudden you need to become an expert in. And there's likely a big difference in how the different governments approach taxation and develop tax policy. Not to mention you throw in a global pandemic over the past two years, and we have a whole other episode we we can do. So 
I, I guess first question, how does all this change and uncertainty affect how you as accountants do your jobs? Well, just, just to start off with, every year when we do our courses, we do sort of uh, two main courses. One is a tax update, general tax update, and the other one is a prov- uh, personal focused one. And in each of these books, we have about 500 pages of materials, changes, things that are new from each year. And that's in a normal year. Could you imagine what it's like, you know, with with all of this extra stuff going on? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, we've got our normal stuff we've got to deal with. Then we've got to uh, deal with a whole bunch of extra legislation in respect of benefits. They could be uh, corporate benefits, subsidies. Uh, They could also be administrative policies from CRA in respect of, uh, you know, tax changes, forgiveness, relief, extra time, whatever it is. Um, so so the amount of things that accountants had to know and learn about over the past year uh, has been incredible. It's I would say it's probably six to seven years worth of changes jammed into one year. Wow. And uh, you had to figure out all these changes and what they meant in context of all the other changes and all the other stuff that you're used to. So as you mentioned, uncertainty is really the key. We don't really understand how everything works. Um, we want to help our clients because our clients are suffering. They're going out of business. Uh, they're going through emotional issues. They've invested their whole life into different things and organizations and ideas. But now it's all going down the drain and they got to figure out what to do. And you're stressed because you got to learn all this new stuff. You got to figure out how it applies to everybody. Um, but you're also worried about getting sued. Because right. um, because the thing is, if you say something wrong or if you don't give the best advice that you can give, you have the potential for getting sued. And then come in questions like, uh, you know, am I even allowed to help out with these benefits and these applications? Am I qualified to answer these types of questions? And we've seen court cases, a couple court cases recently where um, people have dealt with new legislation and they've given advice or missed a small thing. You know, you'd think they thought they caught it in time, but still not, not, not quick enough. Right. And an 800 engagement turned into a $75,000 penalty bill that they wow. had to pay plus legal fees. So so there's a lot of concern about doing the right things. What can I do? How do I bring it all together? Uh, a lot of stress out there. Yeah. And I think one of the big things too, when it comes to the uncertainty is um, you get a new program out, like call it the wage subsidy, the, the SUS or Qs, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And um, <clears throat> some you, you read the rules and you read all of the, the guidance and you think you got a handle for something. And then you start filing a bunch of returns that way and, and make applications and you, you do it five, six, seven, ten times and you're feeling comfortable. And then uh, what happens is four or five months down the road, the government says, no, 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 we didn't mean that. We meant something else. Now, all of a sudden, you know, because you've repeated something so many times, you've sort of worked yourself into a false sense of security right. and comfort. And all of a sudden, you've got all these returns that you've dealt with that you've done wrong according to CRA. And you know what? CRA might not even be right because they're getting information out late. They don't know everything about it. Finance is throwing stuff at them because the politicians have thrown stuff at finance to try to turn into law. But the the politicians are just trying to keep everybody afloat too. So it's sort of a a train, a series of these things and all this pressure and uncertainty is being pushed down the train and we've got to figure out how to deal with it. And And it's just very stressful, very difficult. So at the end of the day, what it comes down to is not getting overconfident with things, being able to sort of calm your clients down, explaining the uncertainty the best way that you can, and just say, listen, all we can do right now is file under the best understanding that we have, document our reasons, so that when push comes to shove later, if we get it wrong, at least we can show why we get it wrong. Right. So you're going to limit liability, limit um, uh, statute-barred uh, uh, reassessments uh, from CRA and penalties and interest. So that's really what it's about at this point. Right. So just a little pressure. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to, to, to say the least. But not a lot of allowance for 
error in the end of things? Well, the, the problem is, you know, when you have all of these moving parts, everybody is so exposed in, in many mm. different ways. I mean, the government's getting hit left, right, and center by, by um, you know, media and, and people asking questions. But, you know, they've done a lot of good things too, and I don't think they're getting recognized for it. They've really dropped the ball in some cases. But, you know, it comes down to us as accountants. You know, have we built a community? Have we built a client base where they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, where they're going to give you a second to sort of deal with things? Because if not, if the the way you've sort of operated your entity has left you um, sort of open, exposed to somebody who's ticked off at you. You're, you're going to be, in, you're going to have some troubles in these these coming years here as the repercussions of all of these uncertain filings come through. So, it really goes down to basic principles of just doing the right thing, doing the best thing that you can along the way, and that will sort of help when you get into these uncertain areas. Right. So you did kind of answer uh, my next question, like uh, from a client perspective, where like what are some of the challenges in dealing with clients uh, amidst the uncertainty? And, and and you talked about like the risk of litigation and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you could talk about this area just just forever for for, for days and days and days. And and I got to tell you, I, I'll go to a restaurant, you know, one of my favorite restaurants, and I'll talk to the owner, and they'll say, well. Uh, you know, my accountant said that I could do this or that. And then I have a little bit of a conversation with right. them saying, yeah, you know what? They're right, but there might also be this possibility. But because of those just general conversations, um, you know, I, it's kind of neat. But, you know, we've gotten comments from a number of different sources saying, hey, listen, you actually saved my business. And I mean, I'm not the only okay. one who feels this. Pretty much every accountant has actually saved somebody's business these days. So while it is while it is frustrating, while it is stressful, you, you really are making a difference. I mean, you, you are sort of like a, a medical practitioner saving somebody's life because you're saving their, you know, their dreams, their investments, and, and you're helping them continue on. And yes, the government might be the one providing the money, but if they don't know how to get it and they don't know how to get it with limited risk, it's not really their money. And they're not sleeping well at night. I mean, nights are already difficult enough as it is. So, yeah. you know, the accountants out there have just done a phenomenal service over, over the last few years. And my hat goes off to every single one of them. It has been so difficult. Yeah, no doubt. Pretty soon they'll be asking, is there an accountant on the plane? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Accountants generally aren't good at flying planes, but well, some are. Well, this is true. There might be some kind of accounting emergency. We don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you've obviously been doing this a long time, and you come from an accounting family, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you've seen in the past five to seven years or longer or throughout your career, or even before you came became a CPA because you, you lived it from... A young age. Yeah. No, that's 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 a great question. And you say from a young age. I mean, I started out doing this when I was about four years old, according to Seriously? me. Well, yeah, well, sort of, because, I mean, it was a family business. Yeah. So my parents did the courses, and I was a baby, and they put me in a little box, a paper box, once they handed out the books, and they, they taught the course, and I was just sitting there going, goo, goo, gaga, <laughs> you know, having fun. But, you know, when you get to the age of four, I was out there handing out highlighters and opening the doors and picking up garbage and helping out. So, you know, right from a young age, we, we, we didn't learn the tax and accounting yeah. side, but we learned the entrepreneurial side, the, the respect side, the, the, the figuring things outside. Gotcha. So, so there was a lot, lot of that from the beginning. Um, yeah. So we were, we, you know, we've been involved for a long, long time. But I say, I got to say, over the past five to seven years, the, the biggest challenge, and this was even pre-pandemic, the, the, the biggest challenge was the way that uh, tax law was changed and made 
Because, uh, you know, in, in the past, there, there seemed to be a little bit more of a process. Things moved a little bit slower. Um, but over the last five to seven years, and this isn't just a, a, a liberal government thing. Right. This is even prior to that, too. Um, but what would happen is you'd have a, a government get, get elected. They wanted to show that they're doing things as quickly as possible. You know, what can we get done in the first hundred days? Yeah. And they roll out all of these ideas. And, and a lot of them are good ideas. But then they force those ideas on the Department of Finance, and the Department of Finance has to turn it into law. And they got to get it out. And usually, these promises come with deadlines. So by the end of the year, this is going to be in effect or whatever. So finance rushes to get it out. Then CRA's got to figure out, you know, what does this mean, and how are we going to administer this? Yeah. You know, what information are we going to ask from people in order to know that they're compliant with this new new yeah. rule here? How are we going to audit it? Um, how are we going to collect the money? Do they apply through us or somebody else? So there's a lot of questions in a very short time frame. And over the past five to seven years, as things have really been rushed, a lot of the due diligence work has not been there. Okay. And we're starting to see laws that don't actually do what they're supposed to do or or catch catch way too many people that they shouldn't catch. Okay. And, you know, just one example of that is uh, there, there were the specified corporate income rules that were introduced just over five years ago. And what these rules were supposed to do is imagine a law firm. And you got fifty. You got fifty partners, but it's it's really one law firm, and each one of these partners has their own corporation set up. Okay. So then, what you have is you have the main law firm, whether it's a partnership or corporation, paying each of these uh, individual corporations X dollars. We'll call it four hundred and fifty thousand okay. dollars. So now you have fifty people getting the small business deduction. So these rules were supposed to catch situations like that, so you couldn't multiply the small business deduction, so that okay. all these fifty people aren't paying that low tax rate. You know, that low tax rate should really be for the first $500,000 of earnings for the group as a whole, okay. not split okay. amongst everybody, right? Right. So, that, so that's what it was supposed to catch. But the thing is, the way the rules were written and, and the speed with which they're rolled out um, just covered so many more situations that are impossible to even determine whether you're caught by these rules or not. Right. You know, uh, if I'm a business and I've got, you know, 50, 60 clients... And uh, I now have to figure out exactly who has an interest in, or who's a shareholder in my business, and um, who are they related to, and are they, you know, related to anybody who has an interest, not just shareholdings, an interest in any of these clients that are selling to me. Okay. Because if they are, guess what? I now have to track all of them, figure out which customers they are. And I have to separate that income to the side, and I have to say, okay, I don't pay small business tax rate on them, but I can pay it on other people. And I mean, that's just the start of this mess, and it's, it, it just gets really big. So it's becoming, you know, impossible to comply with some of this new legislation, okay. which is, which is just really bad for small businesses. Yeah, for sure. Because small businesses, if they if they can't comply, they're sort of. They're, they're at the risk of a CRA agent that decides to go a little bit deeper into something. And technically, they, they could be offside very, very easily. Okay. And when you're imposing this, this risk on the taxpayers, you're imposing it on the accountant as well and everybody around. So now everybody just has to operate with this higher level of risk. And often, they don't even realize there's this higher level of risk. So I'd say the biggest challenge over the last five to seven years has to do with just the way tax law is made and the extra risk exposure administration costs are associated with it. Okay. You know, very, very difficult. Right. Based on the speed that the laws are created and the multitude of possibilities that could impact it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just, just to give an example, when you're, when you're creating something just too quickly here, you're not figuring out if the law actually does what you want it to do. So you haven't got the right parties involved to right. say, what about this? What about that? What about the other thing? You don't have the right parties involved saying, could we do this in another way? You know, what is your main goal? 
Um, and and when you when you don't do that, you just catch way too much, and and you just don't do it in the right way. And ultimately, what I'm seeing across the country is um, you have an erosion of the tax system, because what's happening here is you've created these crazy or not crazy, but very complex, potentially unfollowable laws. Um, and it's the people that are more aggressive that are less likely to follow the rules or be honest about things. The ones who are pushing the limits, the ones who would skip in front of you in lines at McDonald's or right, whatever. Right. Those are the ones who are just going ahead and doing it, and they're not getting caught because CRA doesn't have the ability to, first of all, understand the rules, educate everybody you know, in their base around it, and then catch the people. They don't have the resources to do it. So we're encouraging that skip ahead of everybody in line, McDonald philosophy. So the ones with uh, honesty and integrity right. who really love you know, the country and want to build it are the ones who are getting penalized and really paying the bill for, for everybody else. And that is a really bad uh, policy to sort of set. And I don't think politicians realize that the result of quick legislation, all of these big ideas actually is an erosion in exactly, you know, in the entire tax system. It's incentivizing the wrong things. Okay, so what could be done to change that? Well, I think the first thing that needs to be done is is, is the politicians need to recognize that. Um, and and how do you how do you get the politicians to recognize it? And I think what that takes is uh, some some major bodies to start um, producing some papers and doing some research tying these things together because right now it's it's pretty intangible. It's it's hard to connect quick decisions, quick ideas, uh -huh. with the impact five years down the road of businesses going out of business or you know, dealing with this extra uncertainty and risk. But I do think that actions like CPA Canada, what, they're, what they've been doing um, in terms of uh, recommending an overall tax review, I think those are good. Um, also, Bruce Ball with CPA Canada, he's their VP of taxation, just released a, a, a report or an article on, I think it was March 10th or 11th, where he talked specifically about this. Okay. And he gave about five or six recommendations for how the system f should change when coming up with tax law. And I mean, ultimately what it comes down to here is you need a law that works for the people who are actually being affected by it. So, you know, I know there are people listening, you know, right now, you know, they're forced or not forced to listen, who don't understand tax law in depth. Right. But the thing is, tax law shouldn't be written in depth. It should be written so that the person like them, who doesn't understand tax law, knows what the rules are and can make a decision. You know, do I open a new branch? Do I buy more equipment? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's really got to be the focus of everything. And um, if politicians don't even understanding what the law that they're passing, I mean, that's a problem. They've got to, they should go through a test first. They should read the legislation, tell us what it means, and if they get it right, then they're allowed to vote. That's how it should go. Right, without someone writing their speaking notes for them. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you talk about passing laws quick, and uh, the pandemic was a real game changer, I guess, in, mm -hmm. in, in that area. Um, like all the people working from home, compensation issues around benefits. Uh, I, I, yeah, you mentioned a few earlier as well. So, how difficult was it uh, for I guess for for you as an as a CPA or, or even for for Video Tax News to mm -hmm. to pivot when all of a sudden you um, you can't have those face to face communications with with your colleagues or your clients and yep. and you're kind of left just handling it. Yeah, no, that was uh, 
that was incredibly difficult. I mean, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was incredibly nervous. We had just finished our personal tax update series, which ended off right at the beginning of March. We got our first phone call saying, hey, there's this COVID thing happening. Uh, are you going to cancel the last session? We're like, what, what, what COVID thing are you talking about? And that was, I think it was March 3rd was our last session. And then like a week and a half later, they they canceled like the the NBA and the and, yeah. and, and we're like, holy smokes. this is!" A, and then we realized, you know, 75 to 80% of our business was from live conferences, in-person conferences. Right. And we're going, holy smokes, what are we going to do? What if this lasts more than a month yeah. or, yeah. or more than a two months? Because, I mean, this is everything. We're going to have to lay people off. We're going to have to change our product. So, you know, so right off the bat, we, we did some pretty intense brainstorming sessions and we thought, well, well, how do we convert our business overnight? And one of the ideas that um, my sisters came up with uh, was to do uh, more of an intense, uh, in-depth survey for our clients. So we sent out this survey thinking, okay, we have to transition from these in-person sessions to online sessions. Everybody's telling us you can't run a two-day tax course online. People will all go to sleep in the first hour <laughs> and a half. It's, it's boring as it's boring. <laughs> so, yeah, so how are you going to figure it out? And we, we had to think about all the ways that you could uh, stimulate activity, um, emotion while presenting at the same time. Um, so we sent out the survey and we asked a lot of questions to our clients about this. And we got over a thousand responses, which was amazing nice. because our clients were so helpful in helping us figure this out. And we were able to incorporate a lot of those suggestions into our session. And my sisters, they're, they're amazing. They were able to take this and figure it out. And we had to build out a whole new platform, online delivery system. Um, they're just absolutely phenomenal. Our whole team at VideoTax, you know, worked day and night to try to figure this thing out. Um, but they, they they managed to do it. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is when we started our first session, um, we did we did a test session in about April, so about a month in. Right. And we ended up getting about 2,000 people to participate in this one uh, seminar. And what we asked was for um, people to pay for the session by just improving their community in some kind of way, or they can make a donation or do okay. something like that. And it just turned out really great. I mean, there are so many issues, but to... To, to have your first online seminar in, in interactive with 2,000 people. That, that's a good number. Oh, you know, it was great. I mean, I was so proud of our team for doing that. And then from there, we were just able to work everything into our fall session. And, you know, the, the craziest thing happened, but our ratings actually went up from where they were before. And I was, I've was i been very proud of our ratings for a long time. We worked really hard on mm -hmm. trying to listen to people and try to make it better every year. But they went up, and I was thinking, we thought people weren't going to stay awake for two days of tax. <laughs> like, what the heck's going on here? So there's a lot of things that, that you know, we were able to do to build into it that, you know, I, I, I think worked with people, enabled them to stay engaged, to stay awake, to stay involved okay. there. And you know what? It, it comes down to the little things. You know, the silly little stories about family. And, you right. know, the thing is, while it doesn't seem like it's adding value to the tax content, what it's doing is it's stimulating your mind yeah. so that you're, you're connecting with your kids and you're having fun. And we as presenters are having fun. And when you can connect in that kind of way, I mean, it's, it's a different world. And, I mean, for example, one of the contests we did was, what's the animal on Joe's socks today? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody would throw out their guesses and, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd put my foot up on the screen there and I'd show everybody what, you know, what sock I had. It was fun. You yeah, know, like yeah. you just have fun. But anyways, a lot of that stuff came out of those, um, you know, the the, the surveys. K kudos to to our, our clients who are just freaking amazing clients and and my sisters and, and the whole Video Tax News team for doing that. That's Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds yeah. great. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, I do have to tell you. Yeah. We there's another fellow that works with us that presents. His name is Hugh Nielsen. So he's a pretty big name in the world of accounting. Okay. He's a rock star, and he looks like an accounting rock star. Okay, I was going to ask you about uh, what role has video tax news played, if any, in the pandemic with sure. with providing supports to to CPAs. Yeah, well, one of the things that we did was um, right when the pandemic started. Um, I, re- I I mean, I and I think everybody realized pretty early that everything was going to change. All right. And we had to change with it, and we had to change fast because people are, were going to need answers. So one of the things that I did. Um, was uh, we created, you know, I started it, but the team built it and put it together was a, a COVID support page for accountants Okay. where, where what I would do is um, as soon as any new announcement or legislation came out, we'd right away get it up on the page and we were scraping a whole bunch of websites to continuously find what the changes were and we'd announce that and we'd do video clips and we'd, we'd do connection to webinars and interviews with people who had just applied under different programs. So okay. all of that kind of thing and... And I got to say, it was it was very uh, helpful for me as a learning opportunity because, you know, we were kind of the first one to get a lot of this information up there. And um, so people were relying on us and we were having, you know, some days tens of thousands of accountants logging in to check it out. Right. And uh, we'd get a lot of feedback and people would say, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I tried this. And, and sort of we became a bit of a pipeline. We got to okay. hear all the stories across the country of what was happening. So that was really that was really fantastic, and and we were able to take that feedback from people and pass it back up to CPA Canada and politicians, okay. and basically say, hey, listen, there's a hole here. People are asking about this. You know, what do you want to do with that? And as we were able to pass that feedback back up, then we'd have additions to an FAQ in respect of a particular program that would address that, or we'd have a new announcement or whatever. So it was kind of neat to sort of almost be on the inside a bit in terms of collecting that information and, and feeding it back up. Um, and, I, and I think the people who used the site appreciated that because not only did they get the information, but they were part of a change. They were part of an information gathering service that right. was actually providing the feedback to the government. And I mean, one, one example I can think of is near the beginning, there was a question about CERB. Um, and CERB, in order to get it, you had to have $5,000 of, uh, of of income in a prior period. Right. And the question was for a sole proprietor, you know, like a guy who's just doing drywalling but doesn't have a corporation set up. Yeah. If he, if he you know, has 10000 in sales, but his costs are 7000 well, his gross is ten, so he's met the 5000 from that perspective, but his net right. is below five. So is he good or not? Is it gross versus net? Yeah. So we had those conversations. We could pass our concerns up, and then, you know, I'm sure other people were asking as well, and then the government released a comment on it. And then um, we were able to communicate the, what the actual answer was from the government. And about six months later, it blew up because a bunch of people didn't actually know what the rule was. We knew what it was. We got it out there to our clients, but, you know, people who weren't following us or just regular people who didn't have accountants didn't know about it, and they were basically hit by a train. Yeah. And there's there's a big issue with that, and there's a back and a forth, and it was eventually resolved. But um, you know, we saw that train coming earlier, and we were at least able to help you know half the people get off the train. Yeah, and and you know the other part too is through this pandemic. I mean, the government releases new programs, new guidelines, new comments. But a lot of the time, these new things that are very important weren't actually brought out in a news release or highlighted. Right. So the only way you'd find out about them is if you were scraping a website, like, you know, just going to the FAQ every day and checking anything new, anything new. Right. And 
I would say once every two days, there was something new and was something important. So we were able to take that and put it into a release ourselves and highlight it for people so that they, you know, they because we knew what was important. The government people who are posting it, they, they might not have known, right? right? So we were able to sort of, you know, bring that together and put it in one place. So, I, you know, that's that's where we started off. And then from there, we, you know, we did specialized courses and we did our regular updates, et cetera. Um, but we were able to stay on the forefront of it. And it was very, you know, I think it was helpful to everybody involved. Yeah, uh, that, that that ability to comb through those websites and scrape through yeah. the FAQs, that could be a full-time job in itself. So yeah. so for the, the average Joe out there, no, no, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, who, who's who's maybe doing their own taxes, or 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 um, uh, because I imagine the, the the pandemic probably had an impact on the amount of people who were maybe interacting with with accountants, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so a lot of people are probably doing their own taxes mm-hmm. or, or working with uh, people who maybe may not have normally been their their regular tax preparer or CPA or, or whatever. Yep. Well, this is the thing. Like over the last, uh, you know, two years for sure, I mean, people have become a lot more comfortable relying on their computer to do more personal things. Right. Uh, you know, banking has been around for a while, but even more banking. Now more filing your returns on your own, um, financial planning using, you know, like a wealth simple, all that kind of stuff. So people are definitely a lot more uh, buying cryptocurrencies. You know, people are a lot more confident in, um, you know, they've been forced into being more confident and comfortable in, in online technologies. And um, so so the, the worry that I had was, what's this going to do to accountants? Is everybody going to start doing their own tax returns or, or not? You know, are yeah. they still going to need us or not? And the thing is, um, we haven't seen a negative change. If, if anything, we've seen more of a, of a need to involve your your accountant, okay. um, just because of the complexity of everything. So you know, once the complexity wears off, four or five years from now, in terms of all these you know five or six years worth of changes, assuming they don't continue to change at this pace here, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe then you might see a little bit of a drop off. But then you know, at that point too, I mean, there is still a lot of more complicated planning, and a lot of accountants don't want to do returns for somebody who's just got a couple T fours and an RSP. Yeah. I mean, that's that's those are kind of loss. You know, they're losses for for a lot of accountants. You know, they're more interested in doing the the personal tax returns for somebody who owns a business. So you right. can do sort of the planning between the two sides of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and just basically figure out what works best and how do you how do you transfer this business to your kid? We know you love your kid. You know, do you trust your kid? Do you like your kid? <laughs> you know, things like that. And and you want to get into those things and figure out, okay, how can we create a better life for you and your family? And getting right. into that rather than, you know, popping the right things on the on the return in the right boxes. We don't want to be doing that. And it's not not very profitable either unless you've got sort of this mass system in place that really yeah. processes them quickly. And you know what? Technology is starting to do that anyways. So, uh, you know, is it going to be less work from accountants? If somebody were to ask me that, I'd say no. I'd say the work might change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, t- and you just have to kind of move with technology. You okay. got you to gotta use the things that are going to help you file the returns more quickly. But you got to also look for the tools that will give you more real-time insight so you can provide more real-time comments to your clients. Right. You got to figure out, you know, what are all the flags of, of bigger issues? And you got to use the technology that will say, hey, listen, you know what, um, the, the financial ratios for this person might be out of line. They might need to borrow a little bit or, you know, they might be going offside with the covenant, you know, things like that. And that's what, a, you know, the future of accounting is probably going to be. But, you know, at the same time, there's still a lot of that basic compliance work, especially when things are so complicated. Just to figure out how to, how to you know, file your freaking tax return, it's, it's pretty complicated right now. 
It definitely is. So what advice or what resources could you point people toward to help break through that clutter and get some clarity around it? Yeah, well, I think, okay, first of all, when you say, what advice can you give people? I mean, there are different groups of people. For, for a business owner, I'd say get an accountant. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, for an individual, if you've got anything more complicated than just a T4, um, you know, you're, you're going to probably have to start listening to accountants. So maybe there's some some podcasts, some some stations, okay. you know, like this as well. I know on uh, Clubhouse, I run a weekly uh, Canadian tax room where taxpayers and tax professionals get together and you know just bounce questions off of each other and talk about what's new. So things like that. Okay. Um, if you're if you're an accountant though, this is the problem that accountants have. They get so busy that you know their their focus is just getting to the end of the day and getting everything filed on time. And when you do that, um, you know, in, what you might be encouraged to do is just take on an extra client if you've got an extra hour of space in a week or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But the thing is, um, because things are so complicated, I think you have to set up a daily or a daily or a weekly routine for yourself to sort of refresh, reconnect with your group, um, to do that uh, professional development training, you know, once a week at least or, or you know, a larger session on a, on a monthly basis because... You know, just spending those one to two t- two hours, you know, at a time, what you're doing here is you're catching things before they go off the rails. Because, you know, as I was in- indicating right at the beginning of the interview, some people deal with a complicated situation and they do the same thing again and again until they've convinced themselves that they're doing it right. But until they've talked to somebody else that is saying, you know what, I look at this differently, they don't realize that they're really setting their, their clients up for a big blow up in the future. So. Right. Having that communication and and being intentional, intentional about it, specific about it. And, you know, the other big thing, too, and this is probably one of the biggest things over the last few years is ethics. Right. Those That ethics course, ethics training, a lot of the time that's seen as just sort of like this extra thing, you know, you should do or you need to do. But I got to say, with so much gray and so much uncertainty, your ethics are tested on a daily basis. Right. And you've got to decide, are you the one who's going to be, you know, creating more aggression in the tax system, or are you going to be the one who's trying to bring a little bit more clarity, comfort, and calm to your to your clients? And I mean, what's that going to do for you and your business as well and your reputation? So, you know what? I think the value and the importance of ethics has gone up tenfold over the last, uh, you know, couple of years, especially as we're dealing with this uncertainty yeah. um, out there. Yeah, and, and the rapid change. So you want to make sure you're talking to somebody you trust who has ethics at the top of their yeah. mind. Yeah, you know, it's not just about what is the right answer. It's about what is the right answer to you. Right. What is the best thing to do going forward, not what can you technically do. Yeah, okay. That, that actually seems like a good place to kind of transition to the end of the end of our podcast. Sure. So maybe we'll just finish off with a bigger question or, or maybe a more personal question. So thinking back over your career, what would you say has kind of been the highlight or what was your most memorable professional experience or greatest life lesson maybe that you've learned over the years? Well, there's there's been a there's been a number of fun things. I mean, the last two years have been pretty amazing because we hear a lot of feedback about, you know, you saved my business or you've really helped. And, and, and you know, I really like that. That's a real validation that what we were doing was was the right thing. Right. So so we really appreciate that. And it's it's funny, um, even before the pandemic, a couple times, you know, I, I've been in an airport and, and somebody's come up and said, hey, can we take a picture with you? <laughs> You're a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have to explain to the people around us, yeah, we're we're big shots in the yeah. world of accounting. <laughs> you know, we have a little joke about it. And, you know, it's, it's always, it's usually tongue in cheek. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, those kind of things are fun. But 
I have to say one of the most uh, memorable things that have happened, and it wasn't positive at the time, but it's positive now. I remember, um, so we were tr- transitioning the business because mom and dad, Tom and Linda, started this a long time ago. Yeah. And about 10 years ago, um, we formally started the transition. Before that, the, me and some of my siblings were involved before in different ways and more minor ways. Um, but that's where the major shift started occurring. And then about two years into sort of that transition, we were doing a session in Kitchener, Ontario, Kitchener-Waterloo. And, um, and uh, you know, we did the session and we get the evaluations in and, you know, evaluations there, you know, there's usually a lot of positive. There's, you know, sometimes some criticism in uh-huh. there and that you work with. But there was one comment we got that hit me really hard. Okay. And the comment was this. The comment was, uh, Joe should not be on stage teaching. Yeah. His sister, however, is a good uh, possibility for succession for you, Tom. Okay. That hit me really hard. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't have a great day, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. I would say, but I mean, it, it's it. It sat really deep. It, it was a very, very personal thing because I take a, I take pride in, uh-huh. in 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 a lot of what I try to do. And you know, when it's this business that it's been involved in your family for so long, and somebody's telling you that you're not the one, right? And your sister is now. You got you got sort of a sibling element to it. That was really hard. Yeah. Um, and I felt at that point, I, I really started questioning everything and I had to work through it. Okay. You know, and I, I talked talked with my dad about it and what you thought, what he thought about it. And and we realized, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everybody sort of has their, their different um, areas, strengths and mm-hmm. their weaknesses. And, um, you know, uh, people have good days, people have bad days. That's both you as a presenter and also the people reviewing you as well. So what you really got to do at the end of the day is just try to do a little bit better the next day and realize, you know, that there, there could be value behind that and just sort of find the value in, in that comment. And, um, you know, I, I could say even today, I, I don't feel great about it, but it's also a motivation for me to learn more mm-hmm. and talk to more people and get more understanding and just, just try to, to do my best and understand. And when you're feeling crappy... You know, just take a breath, you know, go hug a tree, yeah, yeah. take a walk. And that and that has been a big thing for me. You know, I think back to that moment when I first saw it, um, you know, and the look on my sister and my dad say's face, because we were, you know, reading them at the same time. Right. And, you know, they could feel the pain as well. And they, yeah. they, they knew what I was going yeah. through. But to be able to just sort of like detach from things and just, just walk outside and take that breath and give your kid a hug, Mm -hmm. you know, think about what's important and then move on to the next day. That was a big thing for me. So it really prepared me for a lot of these other difficult things. And there's going to be more stuff in in the future, but that was kind of a turning point for me. Yeah. On one hand, I I can imagine it was uh, awkward having your dad and your sister there, but I also imagine that that I'm sure there is some support in in having them there and and going through it as a family. Yeah, there there definitely was. And I mean, you know... The first couple words that you hear, you know, you 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 expect them to sort of, you know, comfort and that yeah. kind of thing, you know. And there was that, but you know what? It was deeper than that. Yeah. It was like, okay, let's dig into this a little bit deeper. You yeah. know, where do you think it came from? What was meant? Is this a permanent issue or is this a temporary thing? You know, is there is there something pervasive here that we need to deal with, and can we? Mm-hmm. And you know, just like the logically thinking it through really takes you out of that emotional hole you're in. Because when you're in that emotional hole, it's a quick spiral unless oh, you can find sure. a way out. Yeah. So just you know, the experience of them, you know, helping me deal with that and move forward was very important. And, I, yeah. and I've been able to you know try to use that you know in other situations with my kids or spouse and yeah. other coworkers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
Yeah, well, that pretty much wraps it up, I think, for our time here on uh, Straight from the CPA's Mouth. So thank you, Joe, for joining me. I appreciate having you. And thanks for being our our first in-person guest uh, since the beginning of COVID, yes. Well, I'm very happy to be here, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in. This episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth featured Joe Devaney, CPA CA and co-owner and contributor to Video Tax News. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list, and if you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca, or leave us a comment on social media. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre, you can learn more at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is produced by the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta. This podcast is made possible by Brian Heshey, FCPA, FCA. Thanks to Brian's generous donation, the foundation created the Heshey CPA Knowledge Center, a virtual hub of resources for all Albertans. Find out more about the foundation and the Knowledge Center at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation.